titled this message, I Didn't Ask for This. How many of you can raise your hands in this place this morning and say, I did not ask for any of this, God. I have served you, I'm faithful, but I did not ask for what I'm going through right now. Or maybe you have went through some things in the past and you, and you God, why? I'm faithful, I love you. Like, why, why am I having to do this? And the Lord simply says, why not you? Why not you? Because I can trust you with it is the reason you're going through this. I didn't ask for this, God, but why not you? Because why would we want someone else to go through it, right? Because you wouldn't. So we're going to look at Second Chronicles 20 and 17 as our main scripture this morning. Testing. <laughs> it says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Direct word from the Lord. You will not need to fight in this battle. Look to someone and say, look to your neighbor and say, I didn't ask for this. Now look at someone else and say it again. I didn't ask for this. It is wise to choose your battles when you can. And you know what that means. You can choose your battles. My husband and I have this saying, uh, is this a hill you want to die on? I don't know if some of you have heard us say this or not, especially in, in marriage counseling. Is this something that you're willing to hang up an entire marriage over because they, they don't take out the trash every day? Like, are you really willing to hang this up over garbage? But what do you do when your battle chooses you? What do you do when your battle chooses you? What do you do when the devil drops something off for you to deal with that you didn't choose, you wasn't expecting it, you didn't anticipate it? You know, like when you order something from Amazon Prime, how many people have Amazon Prime in here? Or, or order off Amazon. Just look around. Look at the show of hands. Look at all the smart people in here this morning. <laughs> But when it shows up at your doorstep and you're all excited about the package and you get the package and you open it and you hold it up, especially clothes, you hold it up and you go, oh, <laughs> that's not what I thought that was going to look like. It actually just happened to me last week. I got a package. I was all excited and I looked at it and I was like, that is not what your description said it was. <laughs> But what do you do when you have to deal with something that you didn't cause? Right? Second Chronicles 20, verses 1 and 2 reads like this. It happened after that that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Oh, King Jehoshaphat. We're going to talk about him this morning. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was told one morning, might I add, this, is a, this was a time for King Jehoshaphat in a time of spiritual renewal uh, for Judah. It was the southern kingdom of Israel in a time, <clears throat> excuse me, of great momentum spiritually okay so they were doing good everything was going good spiritually they were doing good everything was smooth sailing we like those days don't we everything is just going the way it's supposed to go 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like right in a row, everything is just going great. And then all of a sudden, he gets bad news. You know, just when you get something figured out, how many, how many of you know just when you get something figured out, when things are going good, you're in your rhythm, what happens? Some came and told King Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you. A great multitude is coming against you. If you knew that a great multitude is coming against you, what would you do? You would run and hide. You would do whatever that you could do. You would panic. But this just snuck up on him. King Jehoshaphat was very surprised. It says that these three tribes, these three armies were sneaking up on them, and they didn't have time to develop a strategy. They didn't have time to build armed forces. They don't have time to even think or process what is happening. They don't have time to get discouraged. They don't have time to be defeated. This army's coming, and the Bible says it's coming right now. Right now, the battle is coming. Has anyone ever gotten that phone call or that text message that just, like, changed everything? It changed not only your day, it just, it just changed your life. You know, I remember singing in the praise and worship team about 11 years ago. My mother passed away 11 years ago this month. And I remember singing in the praise team and worshiping God and giving my all to come down and find 25 missed calls from my brother that my mom, at 52 years old, was in the hospital and she was dying. She had had an illness and, you know, the last I talked to her, she was doing great. And then all of a sudden, my brother, you need to hurry and get home because mom's, mom's passing away. You know, that kind of changes your life. It's like one of those things to where you're like, you, don't have, you can't process it. You can't, you can't even think about it. You don't even have time to even wrap your head around those kind of things in those kind of moments. But the Bible says that these armies were sneaking up on them. You have no idea that it's happening, <laughs> and then bam, there it is, right? You don't have time to read a book. You don't have time to watch a movie. You don't have time to TikTok or Facebook because this one caught me off guard. It slapped me upside my head. Anybody else been slapped upside the head besides me this morning with news that you don't want to hear? My head is spinning, God. My heart is racing. I can't deal with this. This time, God, I don't have time for opinions. I don't have time for different scenarios. I don't have time for advice. You know, because people can offer all kinds of things, all kinds of, suggest all kinds of suggestions. But Jehoshaphat said, I don't have time for all of this. I have to go to God. Church, there is something about a surprise attack that will drive you into the presence of God like you have never been drove into the presence of God before. There is something about a surprise attack that will make you run to God when God is saying, you should have been here all along. God is telling you, you should stay in my presence. But what do we do? We, we just take things as they are. We get used, used to the everyday mundane, the same things over and over and over again, and then things hit us, and they shake us. The Bible says that they were coming, and they were already in En Gedi, and a response from the king was urgent. They needed him to do something. The Bible says that they were one day out, one day, no time to prepare for battle. 
In verse 3, it tells us that he was alarmed and he set himself to seek the Lord. He was determined to seek God even in the face, even in the face of an attack. He made up his mind who he would go to in the face of adversity. I wish I had a body of believers in here that would agree with me and say, I know that when things come against me, who I can run to. Amen. I know that when things come against my family, I know who the one, the one on the throne is. But of course, he didn't always respond this way. That's crazy. No one does. I mean, we're human, right? We all break. We don't always seek the Lord and pray about everything. The Bible tells us to pray about everything. But do we pray about everything if we're honest in here this morning? Because you know what happens when we get news? What's the first thing that we do? We panic. Am I the only one that panics when you hear news that you don't want to hear about? Let's be real in here this morning. We're real people. We're not all just walking around with angel wings in here. We panic. So what do we have to do when we, feel, when we feel those feelings? When we begin to panic and we start trying to figure out what to do, we have to flip our feelings. And we have to do what we know that we have to do. If you go into a battle that is not yours, you will get hurt. If you try to take on something that God is telling you to lay down, you're going to get hurt. In verse 17, God tells us, you will not have to fight this battle. Tell someone, I didn't ask for this, and I don't have to fight it. That should give you some uh, uh, victory this morning to know that you don't have to fight this battle, that God is going to fight it for you. Amen? <laughs> have you ever barely made it out because you're fighting in a battle that you're not supposed to? Anybody else tried to take on stuff? out of pure panic, and you know you're not supposed to do it, and it ends up more of a mess than what it was in the beginning because you try to do stuff on your own. I have. I have exhausted myself beyond measure, sometimes beyond human capability because you just want to help. You want to do the right thing, right? We want to help. Have you ever watched a fight go down between two people, <laughs> and all of a sudden, a third, it's, it's comical to watch, and all of a sudden, a third party decides to jump in and be the hero. And the person that didn't have anything to do with the fight ends up hurt. The one in the middle ends up being the one to get hurt. Why? Because they should have stayed out of the fight. It wasn't their fight to begin with. You know, you see somebody beating somebody up and you want to jump in because you want to save them, and then they end up beating you up. You, you didn't have anything to do with that fight. You try to take on a fight that don't belong to you. It's not your fight. Look at someone and say, it's not mine. I didn't ask for this. We spend all of our energy fighting battles for everybody else, and you don't have time to fight your own. I'm very bad about this. And as a mom, we're fixers. I'm a fixer. I want to fix everything. I know a few people in here, and I'm going to call out some names that are fixers, and they want to fix everything. They look at a situation, and they feel like, well, if I do this, I can do that, I do that, I can fix it. Some stuff can't be fixed. If you are trying to control others, you're fighting the wrong battle. 
You cannot change, and I'll say this again, you cannot control other people. You cannot change somebody's heart. Listen to me this morning. I'm speaking to somebody other than myself. Your peace is your responsibility. Your peace is your responsibility. You let as much as you want to bother you. I'm going to say that again. You let as much as you want to bother you. I love all of you. I do. I love all of you. I pray for our church. My husband, I pray for you fervently. But I cannot take on something that belongs to you as my, as my own. There is some things that only you and God can do. I don't care how much you want us pastors to pray for you and do for you, and we can, we can give you scriptures, we can give you guidance, we can do all kinds of things, but there's some things that only you and God have to figure out. It is not anyone else's responsibility. It comes to a point that you have to say, God, I didn't ask for this. I can't do this. This isn't mine. I've done all I can do, but this is not mine. You know, people are awesome like this, church people especially. They will draw you in, and they'll say, you know, a little church gossip, you know, people that just like to have something to say. And they'll say, what do you think about so-and-so? Or what do you think about the pastors doing this in the church? What do you think about this ministry in the church? Or what do you think about this? What do you think about that? There's always those kind of, what do you think about? You know what I'm talking about. And you know what I say back? I don't. I don't. And you know what? That'll work. Because they won't have anything else to say after that. Don't fight the battle. Don't go there. My own heart is a full-time drama factory. I'm very emotional, and there's just always stuff going on. Okay? Singers typically are. We're very emotional people. Anybody that sings, Sister Alicia, you know, we are very, very emotional people. I got a lot of drama going on all the time. I don't have time to think about other people's drama. I have my own, and the Bible tells us that Jehoshaphat did not run around looking for answers and try to get in other people's drama. He went to seek the Lord. He went and said, God, what do you have to say about this? What would you want me to do in this situation? The Bible says that he was shocked, and it's okay to be shocked. It's okay to have that moment to where you're shocked at the news, but he was not shaken. The Bible says he wasn't shaken. I wish I had some people in here that can say, I'm shocked about what's going on, but God, I am going to keep my eyes on you. Personally, I have some stuff in my life that I'm shocked about, but I'm going to stand with God and say, I won't be shaken today, Lord. I know you're in control. I know you hold tomorrow. You hold today. You hold the future. You hold my very existence. I am standing here because you want me to stand here. If it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know where I would be today. I mean, if, if it was my time, I would be gone already. But God holds my very existence, and some battles just don't belong to me, and they don't belong to you. We say, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Ammon, Eden, and the Amorites, three large armies, were coming against King Jehoshaphat and his men. Three against one. Now, we all know how that turns out. You would think, three against one, obviously, the three's going to win. The more, the better, right? I could fight one, Jehoshaphat said, but three? 
God, this is bigger than me. And they're coming up behind me. In one day's time, they'll be here. How am I supposed to take down three armies of people that are already here? They'll be here in one day. I cannot do this. I don't have the right equipment. Does anybody have something bigger than you this morning? And it came up behind you. Is there anybody in this room that's dealing with anything that is bigger than them? And you know, if it ain't for God, you can't do it. We have three enemies, church. Three. The world, the flesh, and our enemy, the devil. The world is literally anti-everything that we stand for. So we are constantly fighting to defend our faith. Number two, we have our flesh And our flesh wants to participate in things that goes against the very nature of God. We're always fighting our flesh because our flesh wants to do what we know we're not supposed to do. You know, as soon as you say, okay, God, the doctor told me I have diabetes. I can't eat that sugar anymore. And then you go to a party and there's a big chocolate cake and it's your favorite. And you're trying to resist. You know, you're trying your best to resist, but then you give in to the chocolate cake. Anybody else been there? It, we are going to get, it's, it's our flesh. It's, it's, it's a constant fight. It's a constant battle. And then the devil. The devil is always looking for a way in. Even just a little crack. Even one little teeny tiny crack to cause division in the church, in your family, and in your ministry. Some of you might not know this this morning, but your adversary... He hates you. He hates you very much. I need you to understand this. The nature of the battle determines the nature of the strategy. Come on. The nature of the battle determines the nature of the strategy. Don't wrestle and fight on the wrong level. You can be fighting in a battle and not understand the strategy, and this is going to wear you out. I need you to listen to me this morning. There is some of you here today that are facing something that has snuck up behind you. You did not see this coming, and you have to understand the nature of the battle. You can understand the nature of the strategy, and this is why we have to go to God first and ask him. Jehoshaphat went to God and was surrounded by the priests and the right people. And this is why we have to have the right people. This is why you have to have people that has your back, people that you trust, people that you know that can get a hold of God, people that you know that can fast and pray on your behalf right now. Right now, they're willing to give up their chocolate cake for your need. Right now, they're willing to give up watching TV, being on Facebook. It doesn't matter whatever it is because they're willing to do it right now on your behalf because some things are urgent. People that you know in an urgent situation that can go to God in prayer and meet him, and those prayers will be answered on your behalf. He didn't ask all of his friends, all of his buddies, what they thought about this. He went straight to the source. And he was surrounded by people who trusted that the source (laughs) was going to take care of the problem. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to read verses 5 and 7. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. 
before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God, say our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Jehoshaphat started reminding God of what he said. It's what God said, not what everybody else says, not what we think is going to happen, but it's what God said. Come on, do I have some people in here this morning that want to remind God of what he's promised you? Hallelujah. I can promise Glenette something, and I can fail on my promise, but if God has promised you your son, I can guarantee you that your son belongs to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is not the first time that you've cried over something. This is not the first time that your heart's been broken. This is not the first time that you've been short of breath over this. You need to remind God, if you've done this before, God, you can surely do this again. Are you not our God? Jehoshaphat said, are you not our God? Say, our God. Notice his tone here. This is very important. On one hand, he sounds like he's praising God. And the other, he's blaming God. He's saying, God, I know that you're able to do this, but why are you doing this to me? He's praising God, and he's blaming God. Verses 8 through 10 says, And they dwell in it, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and now here are the people of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them looky here Jehoshaphat says look at this it's not my fault I didn't ask for this one we're doing the best we can you know, we're trying to praise God, and we're complaining at the same time. God, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. I didn't ask for this. We do it because we don't like what, what we're dealt with sometimes. We don't like it, so we complain about it. We don't like the way things look. God, this time it's different, though, Lord. There's three of them. I don't have just, I don't have just one devil, God. I got three of them. Anybody else know what that's like? All of these devils are coming up on me, Lord. This is too much to bear. They have teamed up to fight me. Listen, when you got a friend that knows how to fight, where's my fighters in here this morning? Anybody else been in a fight besides me? Yep, I've been in a fight. Before Christ, you know, you just lay somebody out. I have been in one fight in my life. I was 16 years old. My dad drove me to the girl's house. Because he did not want me to fight at school and get suspended. So he drives me to her house, and the first thing he says to me, don't go in her house. What did I do? Knock, open the door. I grabbed her. She was on the phone. And back then, you know, we had the, the road, whatever, the dial with the long cord. You know, you could, like, pull it all the way through the house. So she's on the phone. And 
I grab, she's on the phone. I, she might have been talking to her mother. I'm not real sure. But all, all I remember doing is grabbing the phone cord and wrapping it around her body. And then I punched her, pushed her back, and ran back out to the truck. That's all I remember. I won that fight. One fight, I won it. And it was all over my boyfriend at, at the time then, which is my husband now. Yes. We've been together that long. I was a 16-year-old girl defending, you know, what was mine. Maybe some of you are still fighters. I don't know. I don't know what you do in here, but uh, I, I know that, you know, some of you still have that in you, and you need God to help with all of that. But you need that one friend that says, Devil, if you're going to pick on them, you're going to pick on me. If you're going to do something to them, you're going to do something to me. Here we are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Verse 11 says, if God gives it, I love this, it's up to God to protect it. Amen? And verse 12 said, and this is where things change. This is where there's a flip. Remember I said earlier you have to flip your feelings? This is where things flip. Oh, God, will you not judge them? For we have no power, say no power, against this great multitude that's coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. We do not know, God, what to do in this situation. But our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you, Lord. God, this giant is too big to take down. This is too many armies. I can't handle this. God, I can't do this by myself, but my eyes are going to be upon you. God, this is too much to bear, but my eyes will be upon you. God, I'm exhausted from fighting this battle over and over, but my eyes are still going to be upon you. Come on, can we give him praise in here this morning? Hallelujah. We're going to read verses 15. He says, listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. I didn't ask for this. Come on, and you didn't ask for this either. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You haven't asked for what you're going through. The battle isn't yours. It's God. You're tired. You're worn out. You're completely depleted because you're fighting something you have no control over. And God is saying, give it to me because I can do more with your surrender than you can do in a lifetime with trying to fight something that does not belong to you. In verse 16, it says, tomorrow go down against them. Surely they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight in this battle. And he says, position yourselves. This is important. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you? O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord. 
worshiping him. What's the Bible say that King Jehoshaphat did? He positioned himself. He stood still to see the salvation of God, and he bowed down and began to worship the Lord. What did he do? He bowed down with his face to the ground. He knew that he couldn't do anything about it. He knew there was three armies coming upon him to attack him, and without God, he would have been defeated. He said, they're already there. But I had to go to God. I have to trust the Lord. He bowed to his face and he began to worship. And verse 21 says, And when he had consulted with the people, he had appointed those who should sing unto the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And now they began to sing and praise the Lord it says as they begin to sing and praise hallelujah I'm going to say it again because you're not getting it it says that they began to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir who had come up against Judah and they were all you say that word what were they they were all defeated hallelujah verse 21 tells us that they went before the army singing praise the lord his mercy endures forever praise the lord his mercy endureth 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 forever praise you the lord his mercy endureth forever there is something significant about praise. Hallelujah, church. I need you to understand this this morning. There is something significant about praise. Hallelujah. Some of you in here today have had or faced the toughest battles of your life. Some of you have went through stuff you did not ask for. You didn't ask for what you're going through. And some of you have fought even tougher battles than what I'm facing right now. And for that... I am very sorry. I'm extremely sorry for what you've had to go through. But God knows your heart. He knows everything that you're going through. Everything. Every worry, every pain, every suffering, all of your hardships. Yet he is your provider and he is your comforter this morning. God is saying some things are the toughest things that you're ever going to go through in your life. But it's not yours. Surrender to God. You didn't ask for it. God knew it. You didn't ask for it. God already knew it. God knows that you haven't asked for what you've been dealt with. But he's saying, rest in me. I'm going to fight it for you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. I'm fighting this one for you. One thing I've learned from this story is the importance of keeping my eyes upon the Lord. Because it's real easy to get them off of Him. Anything and everything can take your eyes off God. And God loves you so much. Listen to me. God loves you so much this morning that He is willing to do whatever He has to do to get your attention. You didn't ask for it. It's not yours. It's not yours to carry. You know, many times in my walk with God, I've wanted to quit. I have wanted to quit so many times. It is real easy to do this. Ministry is hard. Helping other people is hard. Because you have to talk about your pain. You have to talk about things that you've been through. So many times the devil has come and whispered in my ear, 
He has woke me up in the middle of the night and said, if you just quit doing this right now, if you stop singing my praises, if you stop singing the Lord's praises, you won't have to fight this hard. Listen to me, the adversary, the devil, he hates you. He's willing to do whatever he can do to attack you. He will use whatever he has to use to attack you. But God is saying, if you surrender to me, I'll take care of it. If you lay it down at my feet, I'm going to take care of it. Guess what else? If you stop, (laughs) if you stop in the middle of what you're praying for, the battle is not won. You've lost. You've lost that battle. The battle is won when we trust God and we lift our hands and we praise Him anyways. When we worship, we allow God to fight for us. Some of you today will praise your way out of a battle that you've been in this very morning. Some of you are going to have to praise a little bit longer in the battle that you're going through. But God is saying, don't give up. You didn't ask for it. He knows you didn't ask for it. But he also knows that he's going to take care of it. I'm going to challenge you to do something this morning. For some of you, this is going to be very difficult. The hard choice to be in pain is a worshiper. It is extremely difficult to worship God in the middle of your pain. It's extremely difficult to reach out to the hand of the Father and say, I am broken. I can't take this not one more day of my life. God, I I am riddled with anxiety and depression. I can't even get out of bed most days. I don't want to keep doing this. Help. This has been too many years of my life. This has been too many years of my life that I've been going through this struggle. But yet God is saying, rest in me. You don't have to fight this battle alone. This is mine. This battle belongs to me. God does not need you to be strong. He needs you to surrender. You know, some of you feel like you have to be tough. You know, we have to feel like we have to do this. We have to do it our way. I'm a tough man. I'm a tough woman. I can do this. But God can do more with your weakness and in and your humility in here this morning than you're tough. God doesn't want you tough. He wants you in your helplessness, in your weakness, in your humility to surrender. I know with the, the ones that are watching online, I don't even know how many is watching, but I know that there's people in this room that are hurting as bad or worse than I am. And I know that if I am, you are, and God knows what he's doing. We're going to go to God and worship. Because the significance in praise and worship, it doesn't make problems go away, but it, it takes your eyes off the problem and puts them on the problem solver. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask each and every one of you to take the next two to three weeks or longer. I'm going to call you to fast. I told my husband that I was going to do this. And I'm going to call this church to fast. And if you're watching online, that includes you too. Fasting, there's a lot of different ways that you can fast. You can fast food. You can fast TV. You can fast social media. There's, there's many different things. You pray about it and ask God, pray about it today and ask God what he wants you to do. We're going to start this tomorrow. I've already been fasting for three weeks. And I'm going to continue to do so until I 
see the Lord move on, on some of your lives. You know, I know some things, just, just the few of you that have shared things with us and the enemy is really fighting people in here, church. The enemy is really fighting people. And I firmly believe that the next series that my husband is going to be doing because he has been under attack. We, our family, we have been under such attack because of this. I believe that God has given him words of freedom. I believe that addicts are going to be set free in this place. And I believe that marriages are going to be restored. I believe that real heartache is going to be mended. And I believe that something so significant is going to happen. It's going to be a turning point in this church and in the lives of people. And the enemy is so angry. He is so angry about what is going to happen, and he don't want it to. He doesn't want it to happen. If we've been under attack, I know that you are. We're going to have a prayer wall set up here in the sanctuary. And I think Sister Kristen is supposed to be bringing that down. We're going to be fasting and praying for one another. And I'm going to have some note cards and some ink pens spread all along right here for you to come. I want you to write your request on it. And I want you to be short about it. You can put a name. You can just say such and such marriages, marriage, whatever, just so it's easy to pray for these needs. Our prayer team is going to be praying every Sunday morning over this next series. We're going to pray for one another. As we stand together in agreement, and we're going to know that God is going to work on our behalfs. Do I got anybody willing to stand with me this morning and say, I will fight with you? Is anybody else going to stand and say, I'll fight with you? You don't have to do this by yourself. Hallelujah. We're going to fast, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God as a church, as a congregation, to move on each other's lives. And we're going to take on somebody else's burden. I remember my mama telling me years ago before she passed away, she said, God has done many things in my life when I prayed for somebody else's children before I prayed for my own. And God would move on her behalf because when you care as much about somebody else as you do your own, God moves. Hallelujah. Come on. We're going to go to the Lord and worship. And as we do, I want you to come. I want you to fill these altars. And I want you to give the best praise that you've ever given your life. And it's going to cost some of you. Some of you are not used to getting out of your seat. I want you to come and write your prayer request. And you're going to go and you're going to stick it on that prayer wall right there. But I want us to worship the Lord like you've never worshiped Him before. Because things are not going to change in your life until you start being obedient to the Lord, until you can start looking at your situation and say, God, even if I'm going to praise you, even if I'm going to serve you, even if I'm still going to love you, because he's good. He's so good to us. Hallelujah. Come on, let's fill these altars. Let's begin, let's begin to write our request. We're going to worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.